Hi, my name is Mark Iskowitz. I'm editor-at-large for MMNM, and I'm super excited to be part of today's sponsored podcast with Walters Kluwer. Here with me today is Mike Andrews, Vice President of Sales, to talk about medical podcasts for the second of a two-part exploration on these. From general industry news to school lectures and CME, podcasts have risen in popularity in the medical field for the last two decades, and they appear to have become a promising adjunct to traditional approaches to physician outreach, especially during the pandemic. And marketers have started to catch on to the trend. Hey, Mike, uh, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? Great. It's great to welcome you back on the program. You know, last time we started to talk about how these have caught on with doctors. You know, they play an important role in the clinician's uh, medical education, which it's very important, you know, to stay up to date, especially during the fast-moving pandemic. And you told me that you've seen HCP's use of and reliance on podcasts really accelerate over the last 18 months. So if you're a health marketer and you see that growth, the question of is this channel relevant, well, you can kind of check off that box. So let's build on that by delving into some of the other questions that marketers may have, shall we? Let's do it. All right, let's go. So, you know, often marketers want complete control of the content they're adjacent to, but podcasts uh, can kind of go off in different directions. How can marketers cope with that kind of uncertainty? Well, I think there are a variety of reasons why they would support a podcast that isn't necessarily going to be speaking um, to the promotion of their products. Now, they can produce and publish their own podcasts, and we can definitely help them in terms of editing and providing a good platform and an audience to drive to them. However, in order to stay AACME accredited, um, we cannot participate in the publication and uh, production work associated with a branded podcast from a manufacturer or a med device company. And the reason why they would want to say sponsor a, a, a podcast that they have not produced, and I actually recommend them doing both of these things because podcasts are an important channel and they should definitely produce their own podcasts and, and promote them. That being said, the, the the reality is they do not want to have to go through the rigors of, of MLR. And as soon as they start meddling in the editorial content of, you know, a partner that they're working with, there are rules and regulations around that. And so in, in this current climate, pharmaceutical manufacturers are worried about their public perceptions. And so if they are seen to be supporting, you know, an intellectual conversation that is, in fact, separate and not influenced by them while they are still supporting it. That is that is a, a, a good. On top of that, we know from general uh, marketing trends in this segment that 72% of long-term listeners have made purchases based on their favorite shows advertising. And so we know that the platform is very influential in driving um, changes in behavior. And in our space, you know, we know that only about 12% uh, of podcast listeners skip the ads. And so when you're in this channel, you're getting a reliable, qualified audience leaning forward and listening and, and actually being influenced by the ads that they're hearing alongside this editorially separate content. Although I will say contextual adjacency is important. Um, and and the brand halo of who who you're sponsoring is important, but I wouldn't I I, I wouldn't uh, attempt to meddle in in the the content itself. Sure, it's kind of like the distinction between uh, CME accredited CME or certified CME as they call it 
and on-label medical education, you know, where the uh, sponsor may have more of a heavy-handed, uh, you know, involvement. CME, that, that's accredited, as you said, you want to keep it pure, you want to keep it unbiased, and that, you know, by nature, you know, it's, it's going to be hands-off, but you can still have adjacent uh, adjacencies, you know, with, with advertising to show, you know, who, who's supporting it. And that, and that, that creates a positive halo effect. Many podcasts are developed, as you told me, without evidence-based methodologies. Uh, but Walters Kluwer has peer-reviewed content that's, that's trusted and credible. Beyond that, you know, there's, there's pedago pedagogical, am I saying that word uh, right? Uh, research you know, that, uh, that, that you, that, that you, I'd like you to speak to in terms of you know, the efficacy of podcasts as teaching tools, but more rigorous studies are needed. Can you talk about, you know, what the research says about the effectiveness of these as teaching tools? Many podcasts are developed without evidence-based methodologies. And, um, you know, the value of peer-reviewed content, whether it's within a podcast or somewhere else, is considered the gold standard in terms of uh, you know, credible information then that can help better your your practice. And so, you know, in in our opinion, it, it's it's incredibly important when you are doing a podcast to make sure that it isn't just opinion. If you're actually trying to educate and teach, that it is based on research and advances. We have a a, a growing loyal base of HCPs coming to our podcast and the podcast of our society partners. And I think that we're seeing maybe a, a, a stronger growth. You know, we have over 200% growth within our listenership versus, you know, the, the normal market. And what I think is setting us apart is in fact that not just the, the quality of our storytelling or the quality of, of the the KOL speaking, but it's actually rooted in the DNA of peer review. It's rooted in the DNA of something published in a journal, which, you know, is not influenced by, you know, industry. And, you know, you have that, um, you have that firewall, you have that safeguard, and that's what HCPs want. Sure. So if they're listening to, say, Neurology Minute, they know that it's going off of a peer-reviewed research, which might involve like a randomized controlled clinical trial or something that, that doctors are, are debating uh, because they want to know if it is influencing their, their, their practice of medicine. So um, it's great. How closely are residents or students listening? You know, are, they, are they distracted you know, while they're listening to a podcast? Are they multitasking, that kind of thing? Um, we're actually finding that people are, are very much dialed into what they're listening to. Uh, I said before that 72% you know, of long-term listeners have made purchases based on, on their listening. Um, but we also know that 81% are listening to podcast advertising. And that is really powerful. You know, you, you often think about other channels where it's so easy to skip uh, an ad on streaming video. It's so easy to, um, you know, have your ad blockers on your phone and, and, and not get display ads. If you really want to avoid advertising, there's a thousand and one ways in which you can do that. You know, I, I personally um, listen via Spotify um, because I want to pay my subscription service. I don't want to listen to ads. However, in the podcast space, you know, if someone is actually having um, uh, something mid-roll or something post-roll and I'm just listening through, while it is, you know, slightly disruptive, 
I'm listening and I'm leaning forward. And, and as long as it's relevant to the content itself, I feel uh, comfortable with it. There are very few opportunities to you know, intercept these listeners who are trying to avoid more traditional advertising types. And if you want to maximize market share, you have to try and find ways to, to intercept them. And this is definitely a great way to do it. So that's the appeal for, for marketers, certainly, um, that they can intercept, so to speak, doctors. And there's a high rate of medical professionals actually listening to the ads and not skipping them. But what about the appeal of podcasts to the medical professional? I think last time you told me that, you know, there's so much achievement in medicine. Doctors want to hear about things that are not about COVID. You know, they want to, they want to expand, you know, their content repertoire. Do you want to build on that? In terms of the appeal, sure. to you know, as we've seen with with COVID, uh, medicine can advance quite quickly, and there's been a deluge of advances, um, especially within a global marketplace where we're seeing um, submissions across the globe through open access or submissions across the globe for our journal partners um, to publish more and more research. And podcasts have the ability to deliver technical and industry-specific information in an engaging and convenient way. And so it's very suitable for, for physicians and, and healthcare workers. It's very digestible. It's a way to sort of summarize, cut through the din, bring to life all these different advances so that they can remain you know, up to date and, and current with what is going on in the world and the advances in in their fields. And I think it also can be quite niche. And so while I'm really excited that we have such listenership for some of our more broader um, special specialties, you know, every single specialty out there right now has a podcast. I think there's actually one, I think, um, neurosurgery, maybe the, 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 the remaining laggard in terms of not having uh, a, an industry-specific podcast. But that being said, every other specialty has one. And there's a reason for that. The doctors are enjoying this format. They, they are finding it really effective um, and understanding more about the science and research happening outside of their practice. Oh, so it's, they, they really enjoy learning about the science of medicine happening outside of neurology or outside of pulmonology or outside of emergency medicine? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's definitely crossover appeal, but I was thinking outside of their clinical work, outside of, you know, their one-on-one -on -one with their patients, you know, if they want to actually broaden their horizon and learn what's going out there and uh, across the globe, you know, change happens fast and advances happen fast. And a podcast is a great way to keep current, especially in a scientifically vetted way. You know, news is news, but news plus a little bit of credibility and a little bit of substantial um, vetting of, of these advances that are being discussed um, really allows more credibility to the, to the listener, to the HCP, to believe that these are, in, in, in fact, advances that are real um, and not just uh, news fluff. Yes. And, you know, we all want to get, get beyond the fluff especially, you know, if you're a busy a clinician and, you know, obviously the trend has been growing over the last decade or so, but what about the current uptake? Is that, is that really because of the pandemic or are we seeing, um, did, did the pandemic kind of accelerate doctors uh, sort of just news consumption in general and desire, as, as you said, to, to find out what's going on be, beyond their own clinical work? 
Yeah, you know, we're seeing that podcasts are shifting from a, a niche medium into a mainstream medium. I think during the pandemic, podcasts um, provide a, a safe, socially distant alternative to conventional methods of content consumption. And you think about the things that were canceled, you know, um, conferences, uh, detail reps coming in, you know, th- there has been a shutdown in many different ways in terms of how they're receiving content and their and their updates on on achievements. You know, you could go to a conference for three days out of the entire year, and you could listen to all of the KOLs and take all the courses and feel like, you know, I just finished all my CME credits and I'm ready to go for my practice for the year. And um, that that's unavailable right now. And so we're seeing that this is becoming mainstream across all segments of the HCP space. And, and, you know, in, in a clear example, I mentioned on the last podcast, the Neurology Minute, you know, it went from about, you know, 25,000 monthly downloads in 2019 to 65,000 in 2020. And now we're seeing 78,000 on average in 2021 um, in, in terms of downloads. And that's a 152% growth at the onset of, ons- of COVID followed by a 21% increase today. Um, and, and I think that, that is a good benchmark to show how powerful this, in fact, is over the past few years. You know, you don't see this adoption rate grow this fast unless there is a, a need. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's very impressive to see these, these stats. Those are some eye-popping stats, uh, indeed. Um, who's, who's using them? Is it, uh, is it just, you know, the, 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 those practicing at the top of their license, the, the specialists, the physicians, is it on down to other types of HCPs? One might think that this is millennial, you know, um, new media sort of execution. And it is, I mean, if you want to reach millennials, this is, uh, you know, a physician who's, you know, just turning 40, becoming a leader in their field. Um, you know, there's there's a whole swath of of physicians and HCPs who who are younger, who are now becoming um, in the middle of their careers instead of at the beginning of their careers. They're definitely listening to podcasts. But what we're finding is that it's now crossing the generations. That we are getting KOLs, we are getting um, physicians who are Gen X and baby boomers listening at a similar rate, and that and that that is through the pandemic. Um, it's now no longer skewing just one age group. And from a specialty perspective, you know, um, emergency medicine is definitely supported with over 30 different podcasts, um, including our EM News. Um, And pediatrics and internal medicine also have a, a wide variety of options. But we're finding there is a space and where we like to invest is in in the variety of specialties that are out there. You know, JAA, POS Unplugged, PRS Global Open Keynotes. Uh, You know, we're trying to reach, you know, neurologists, orthopedists, plastic surgeons, et cetera. Um, And we're trying to reach all of them. We want all of them to, if they're gonna engage in this medium, we would love to be that go-to place where they they feel comfortable and and trust 
that that Walters Clore Health and Lippincott are are a place to go. But what I also think is interesting is you you might think this is a U.S. only phenomenon, and that's not necessarily the case. Um, Podcasts are actually global, and in the anesthesiology uh, specialty, you know, we're releasing um, podcasts in English, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, French, etc. So I think it's really, I talked last time about how it's a low cost medium to produce, and it's highly effective with the HCPs in terms of delivering education messages and, and, and interesting content. And so um, that is scalable globally. And so that's something that we are looking at as well. And if I'm a healthcare marketer, and I want to put an ad in a multi-specialty journal, you know, that like JAMA or NEJM say, I'm sure, you know, Walters Kluwer Lippincott um, has, you know, that type of reach as well. How, how do you accommodate, you know, the marketer that wants to reach the multi-specialties uh, with, through the podcast medium? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Podcasts come in many shapes and sizes, and so we have some some more interesting custom executions. And so you have these sort of like the neurology minute; it's coming out every single day, and people are getting updated, and it's more news news form. And then you have sort of the news magazine style podcast where you might have a couple different segments, um, and those are coming out weekly. You have your monthly deep dives where someone picks one topic, and we found that there is a place also for a custom podcast where, you know, we can agree on a topic. Someone's interested in a, in a topic. We can collect the peer-reviewed articles around that topic. And then we can, you know, record, say, a roundtable. And they could tell us, you know, they can't tell us what the content they want in there, but they could say, you know what? We would love to support a conversation around physicians and nurses discussing mental health with multiple sclerosis. And, and we could say, yeah, okay, we're going to do a three-part series on this topic and we're going to promote it under the, the, the Lippincott brand. Or we could go to one of our society partners and see if they're interested in um, developing a podcast on a topic. Um, you know, that's the, that's the level of influence industry can have. But there are a lot of things we would love to do that aren't necessarily funded or prioritized and, you know, I, I would love to collaborate with anyone who's, who's willing to support um, interesting topics, you know, um, mental health, the green practice or how climate change and medicine work together, or um, uh, DEI, diversity, equity, and, and inclusion. You know, th- there, are, there are tons of different topics where we would love to find industry support and we can do uh, a special series, you know. I, I come from uh, uh, traditional publishing, and I, I spent some time um, at Time Inc. back when it was its own its own company. Um, and you know, on the Time Warner side, we had miniseries, we had regular TV shows, we had uh, 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 magazines, we had websites, we had tons of different channels. And so, in a way, you can create your own miniseries on a topic. Um, for a very specific audience. And maybe there isn't enough content for a full year every day having an update. You know, um, uh, I, I would hope that we're doing advances in very niche topics, but, you know, the, the rate of, you know, pediatric leukemia, you're not going to have a minute a day to talk about something. Maybe you would have a small series, a, a three-part series podcast. So we can put those together. And, and I have to say, 
you throw uh, an MPPA into the mix on a conversation and a podcast, and people are going to listen in a different way. And, and it really changes the the nature of the of the podcast to have that that yin and yang between the the physician and the MPPA talking about the patient together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of like a real time, um, you know, um, multidisciplinary approach to a case or whatever the the topic is for that podcast. Absolutely. And, you know, we can, we can look into our archives across all of our, our, our journals and say, okay, something that was achieved three years ago is still the gold standard of, of protocols for a particular treatment or condition. And we might pull that into the conversation about what we're talking about today, some newer advance. And so we can have an interplay between how the, the research is growing and developing. Um, and while someone is in fact listening to the podcast, the substantiated articles will be available to, to read below them. So, so a lot of interesting ways to tie it all together, um, especially if we want to deeply educate um, physicians on, on a particular topic. And with, with so much information available, including podcasts, Who's curating these resources, you know, and how, how are they being assessed? Yeah, so we have um, an editorial team at Lippincott. Um, we do have medical editors. If someone is sponsoring a topic, that's as far as it goes from what industry or a large agency can, can influence in terms of how we create. They could say, look, we're, we're interested in pediatric epilepsy. Do you have anything on pediatric epilepsy? And then we go internally, we see what sort of research we have. We see whether we think it's gonna be an engaging topic. And we use our medical editors. And, and oftentimes we go back to the society and we might say to the society, oh, who are the KOLs who can speak on this topic? Um, I'm I'm not a physician. I don't pres- I don't presume to know all of the science. But as a as a major publisher, we definitely have the right tools and connections to figure out, you know, who would be the best person to have this conversation. Um, and we can also be the be the one to recommend, say, bringing in an NPPA into the podcast, where you know someone might not consider. Oh well, we're not specifically trying to reach you know, MPPAs. However, it will make the podcast more interesting. And so we have the ability to not only follow the science and talk about what what the science needs to be for the podcast, but also what's going to make for a dynamic conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm I'm really seeing that, uh, you know, the way Walters Kluwer and Lippincott are investing in alternate formats like podcasts and kind of curating, taking a curating approach, curated approach, excuse me, to who is giving over the content, how it meshes with peer-reviewed content and, and other articles that this, I'm, I'm starting to see the, the picture of why it's it's so engaging and why you're seeing that, that kind of growth happen now, especially as you said, with a lot of the in-person medical congresses and detail reps being shut down as, as, as the usual conduit, conduit for a lot of medical information. I'm starting to see why it's, why it's become, you know, so attractive. Yeah, and and I think um, you know you, you have your traditional marketing departments, but you also have Med Affairs, and Med Affairs might be you know um, asking for grants for submissions on education, and um, you know I'm beginning to look at uh, you know if we are participating in a grant, you know do we include this format? 
how interesting would this format be in that environment? And so that's something we're exploring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. I would expect to see these show up on, on grant requests uh, in, in the CME area, uh, for sure, uh, given that they're, you're starting to see them being offered uh, with accredited CME uh, units. So bottom line here is, is it that this is this, this growing medium is it's got the eyeballs, you know, you, you've got the, the flexibility and, and the value, all, you know, all the factors are there, you know, for, for this medium to be one that uh, has a, um, dare, dare we say, a, a permanent role in educating students and residents as well as current, current HCPs? Yes, it is. It is definitely a mainstream part of any marketing plan. Um, it is a great way to engage HCPs in a way where they are dialed in, for lack of a better term. And from from my perspective, you know, there's room in in the in the media mix for innovative formats. And those marketers who are not considering innovative formats are going to suffer from creative fatigue. They're going to suffer from just doing awareness tactics. And, and awareness is just not enough. You know, um, there, there's too much going on where you need to have awareness, but you also need to have thought leadership and you also need to have reputation building. Right. You can see that, you know, a well-constructed podcast, perhaps multidisciplinary in nature, based on peer-reviewed content is going to have a certain appeal beyond just a banner ad, for, for sure. Okay, well, this was a two-part you know, podcast series. So if you missed part one, you can find it on our website as well. And uh, you know, those who have any questions for Mike can always uh, email marketingsolutions at walterskluwer.com if they have any questions about you know, the, the podcast as a medium uh, in, in the media mix. To that end, Mike, I hope uh, we can have a third conversation uh, as this marketing channel matures even uh, further in healthcare. Uh, but that's that's to be decided. <laughs> it's been great talking to you. And a, a year from now, we're going to have um, even better results. We're going to, this, th this medium is definitely growing. Great, great. I look forward to that. Okay, that was Mike Andrews of Walters Kluwer, and it was a terrific conversation. Many thanks for listening. Come back soon for another one. This is Marcus Goods for the MMM Podcast. Take care. Thank you.